When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. At the end of season 2017-18, we demanded to know from you which of our big interviews you most enjoyed. And the winner is... We're on the coach and I can remember sitting there and thinking, okay, that's George Ware. He's <laughs> sort of sitting there with his headphones on. The week he left, we played Bradford at home and Joe put George on the bench and started me and I think George thought, and Dick, I was playing ahead of me, I've gone. <laughs> but what a brilliant, brilliant guy. In second place, we had... I was five at Rocky Balboa. One of my best meetings, I thought... Um, was with um, Dortmund before we played a game against Bayern Munich and I spoke about Rocky for Ivan Drago. So, of course, Bayern was Ivan Drago having everything, mm. all technology, and yeah. we, are, we are Rocky Balboa <laughs> with all these old-fashioned uh, tools and, 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 and stuff like that. And after three, four minutes, I was really on fire. <laughs> and I, was, I see I look really in dead eyes. And I said, okay, stop. Who knows Rocky? <laughs> and only two players showed up. Was, okay. Uh, we have to start again. And the bronze medal position goes to this guy. For me, David Gea is the best because I think he has something that comes from God. God chose him in the goal and God chose Messi on the pitch. You cannot train what he did against Kun Agüero when he had the ball two metres from him and he put the hand out. You cannot train it. So he has some special abilities that I think he hasn't trained them. You just have to. From Backpage, I'm Martin Gregg, and this is the big interview at the World Cup. This is what you might call a World Cup wrap, and for it, we've asked our socios and Twitter followers to send in their questions. So without any further ado, Graham, our first question is from Socio Ben. And it's a tricky one. He says, Hi guys, thank you for all your superb content over the last season and the World Cup. First part of the question, who is Graham's unsung player and unsung team of the tournament? I have a a sneaking regard for uh, Takashi Inoue in that role because I've seen very few people on the wider stage appreciating that he was probably Japan's best player. And although they tumbled at the end of their group, I thought that they played with adventure and pace. And, you know, I, I couldn't travel to the games because I was covering Spain. But when I, when I flipped the television on, I enjoyed watching them. And they gave us, you know, every time... We, we go crazy, or I do, because I'm so enthusiastic about football, about a particular game. It does take two to tango. And had it not been for that 
sublime first, let's call it first hour maybe, something like that, against Belgium. After which, you know, it, it's really sad to say that they didn't handle the game particularly well. And, and Belgium thrilled us all with a three-goal comeback, culminating in that that last-minute winner for Chadley. But Japan had, until that stage, run them ragged. They'd clearly analysed them brilliantly about how you could run at that three-man defence and how to get wide in behind the the wing-backs. It, it, it was lovely. And therefore, one of the candidates for that unsung team might be Japan. I have to go stick in Asia and say that although Korea, you know, genuinely disappointed and not just their... Um, I thought they were niggly and and, and 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 without the right cutting edge and, and maybe even the right ambition in the first two games. But to go toe-to-toe, to go Rocky Marciano with Germany in that last game and, and tip everything from my um, the years when I was growing up and learning about football, when it was always, they always won late, Bayern Munich, Borussia Mönchengladbach, the German national team. So to witness not just their elimination, but their elimination from a career side that scored twice after the 90th minute, even with Manuel Neuer three quarters of the way out the pitch for the second. I I thought that was terrific. There's another unsung candidate in that this has been a tournament where goalkeepers, I think, have, you know, there there's a cluster of goalkeepers where you can say they've boosted their reputation, they've shown their skills under great pressure, they've produced not just good housekeeping, which is how you, I think you boost your reputation for proper football scouts if you're if you're good housekeeping through a game in all circumstances, under pressure, not under pressure, accuracy of kicking, coming and taking free kicks, handling the, this moving ball that that fooled um, Muslera and fooled David De Gea, etc. So there's a cluster of keepers who've come through not just because of big saves, but when he left the tournament, Mexico's Guillermo Ochoa had made the most saves and had kept Mexico in things. And if I'm not mistaken, Thibaut Courtois has made 27 saves over seven games and Guillermo Ochoa has made 25 over just four games. Now, I, I admire that and I like that. And I've, I, since I, I didn't know enough about him since maybe... Probably Brazil was when he came most to my attention. And, you know, it, it was just bizarre to me how little use of him Malaga made. And I was so pleased for him because at, it, when he went to Belgium football, he nearly won the league in the build-up to this World Cup. They fell three points short in the playoffs. And I thought he had an exceptional tournament. And there's potential um, for another unsung hero. These aren't, you know, maybe big names. So the team, yeah, I'm, I'm arguing that... Japan and Korea can be in there. Everybody else was sung about because the merits of Belgium and Croatia and England, I think, all got duly dusted down. Um, The merits of Sweden in terms of maximising their efficacy without being truthfully all that pretty to watch. I I, I go back to what I said a couple of weeks ago to Neil, that I I always like watching Berg and Toivonen. I can't deny that. Forsberg should have given us more. Eriksson gave us glimpses. No, for unsung teams, uh, for two different reasons, 
I'm going to stay in Asia and talk about um, Japan and, and Korea for two different reasons. And just my little postscript to that, I'd actually written down Inui and Japan as well. I loved uh, Kagawa and Haraguchi for Japan. I thought they were fantastic. But um, I actually reread a book recently about Japanese football. And I think it's called something like Why the Japanese Needed Football and How They Got It. And it's about the infrastructure laid down when the J-League started, how it was an ambition to produce this generation of kind of technically accomplished footballers. And so when I when I watched that Japan Belgium game, it was just really, really, really exciting to see. You could see this. you could see in front of your eyes what what the book had been describing, right? Yeah, it's a phenomenal book, and I would I would urge anyone to to go and read it. I think it's called something like Why the Japanese Needed Football and How They Got It by Sebastian Moffat, who's a really interesting guy. I think he was like a a journalist for like the Wall Street Journal or something like that, and not not a kind of traditional beat. Uh, football journalist but somebody from you know uh, from the outside kind of looking in and, and it was fantastic but I would urge people to, to look at that I just wish they could produce strikers uh, you know top top class strikers because they would have it all just about The goals were spread weren't they through Kagawa and Honda who in his time has been one of the fabulous strikers of a ball over the last sort of 8-10 years and I've got a vested interest in uh, Takashi Inui because he's moved from a bar where you know he's been pretty spectacular in again being a mainstay. You have to say at least a mainstay in keeping him them in the Primera for a record amount of seasons since promotion. And he's now just moved to Real Betis, and um, to me he's working for a, an outrageously talented, fascinating coach in Kiki Setien who despite having been a hard-running, hard-working, principally Racing Santander midfielder, has taught us that he learned his attacking ideas. I keep maybe using similar anecdotes, but, but it's because they mean things to me. Um, sitting, listening to Marcello Lippi in Italy and him talking about not being allowed to play as an attacking liberal for Sampdoria in his day and swearing that he would produce attacking football as a coach. Kike Setien was made to chase across the pitches of Spain by Johan Cruyff's Barcelona and said there as he was running and sweating in the heat, if I coach, this is how I'll coach my teams to play. I don't want my players chasing around like this, being knackered and losing at the end because their brains have gone dead because their muscles are stealing all the blood and oxygen. And that's what Kike Setien coached his team Las Palmas in the seasons leading up to last term and Betis were beautiful to watch, absolutely beautiful to watch last season and anyway has just completed his transfer, been presented over the last 48 hours and and albeit that there there must be an aftermath to a, a tournament like that for a player who's tucked away so many games during the season and I think he's turning 30 or has just turned 30 but I'm expecting a lot from him and I'm excited to see him as the the hard-running, passing linchpin in a team of great attraction and great skills. So let's settle then because of your additional piece of information, which I wasn't expecting. Takashi Unui is our unsung player of the tournament. How about that? You, you buy that? Sold. Um, so the second part of Ben's question is what's been Graham's funniest moment from the tournament and the saddest? Let's start with tears of sadness rather than tears of laughter. There's candidates, I'm afraid, Ben. I'd love to give you just one straight answer, but um, <clears throat> you know already, if you've been listening during the World Cup, that Iago Aspas, as well as being an automatic in my book to have started Spain's group games, absolutely, without question, should have been playing. 
And by the time it came to the Russia game, it, it you know, unless it was, you know, stapled on Luis Rubiales's forehead, the president of the Spanish Federation, as he and Fernando Hierro spoke the day before the Russia game, it couldn't have been clearer that Aspas had to start. So for him to come on and be the one whose penalty is saved to put Spain out is just a, a kick in the chops that football will deliver to you um, time and time again, which is why we should all celebrate success, celebrate failure, um, celebrate doggedness, because the greats fail, the greats make mistakes. And whether Aspas can be regarded as a great or not, he is a great footballer and an entertainer and somebody who could have taken Spain through and allowed them to catch the momentum, catch the rhythm that, that they were lacking. And he was also the player with the bravery and the creativity and the acceptance of risk that they were lacking in the, particularly in the midfield and in the attacking third. And, and therefore, I was sad for him. I was sad for Marc-Andre Ter Stegen. I have to say that you can't go on the attack, uh, Jock and Love, who prior to the tournament was coaching a side that everybody had down as probably joint favourites with Brazil. And his relationship with Manuel Neuer and Manuel Neuer's CV allows him the luxury of saying, even though you've been out for a year, I'm going to pick you. But to me, and I said this before the tournament on tape, it's not a retrospective thing. It was wrong not to see that this was an opportunity to allow the passing of the baton, to allow Neuer to be a, a supportive, important squad figure while looking for his fitness and his sharpness and maybe regaining his place in the months to come. But to take Stegen's World Cup away, given the season that he's just had, given that he is a younger, fresher, more hungry element who'd steered them through to the Confeds Cup last summer in the same stadia, in the same country, in the same uh, temperatures. Right from the start, it felt wrong. It felt like a bad message to send out. And simply because I respect him and I've met him and I like him well enough, I'm sad for Marc-Andre Ter Stegen. And I could maybe close on saying, I'm, you know, a sad moment for me was when... Cavani comes off grimacing in that that two one win in the I guess the last sixteen I think where his absolutely brilliant goals um, particularly the second marked him as that type of player who you don't just want to pay to watch who excites you who can do so many things ab above and beyond his aerial ability or his physicality because he is a very good footballer. It marked him down in my eyes that maybe this was going to be... Every tournament you look for the Paolo Rossi, who's going to explode into a form of scoring, you know, 3-2-1 goals over three games or whatever it might be. And um, as, as Rossi did um, with a ridiculous um, group qualification from Italy in 1982, and then Rossi scored a hat-trick, a brace, and won in the final sequentially. And Cavani looked like that until he comes off in that match. Uh, grimacing, um, shaking his head, and although it proved not to be a truly bad, you know, tear or rupture of the calf ligaments, it kept him out of the the crucial game against France. Uruguay didn't look the same, and I was sad for Cavani that I, I can't imagine him being quite the same force at thirty four, nearly thirty five, in in four and a half years' time. So. Um, there are my tears for tears of a clown for the great players. And, you know, I'm open to Ben, I'm open to suggestions, Martin, I'm open to suggestions, but 
while I was in Russia working hard or eventually back here trying to slip into it as a, a spectator, I've seen fewer things funnier than Batshuayi picking the ball up and trying to kick it into the net, it bouncing off the post back into his face, the poor kid. He didn't get a lot of game time. He seems to me to be a better footballer than this Belgian squad and its quality allowed him to show because he was up against proper competitors. But you know you've had a bad day when you do that and the world is watching. <laughs> In terms of the funniest moment, I wouldn't. I don't know if it quite qualifies as funny, but um, I was quite amused to see um, Alan Russell embracing Gareth Southgate um, after that uh, last-minute winner against uh, Tunisia. And just to see Russell in that environment was really funny because in a former life uh, as a cub reporter in Scotland, I used to you know regularly interview uh, Alan Russell um, in the days where I, I wouldn't say he was the most prolific striker, um, but it's really interesting to see how he's reinvented himself. Um, very often it's taken as read that you have to have a, an illustrious playing career to step into that kind of technical role but he's proved that you can develop specialist skills as a coach without necessarily having this garlanded playing career so to see him in that environment it, was, it wasn't it was funny but I just thought wow that that is that is amazing Well to keep the football theme it's very Gregory from Gregory's Girl where he says <laughs> modern girls modern boys <laughs> And it's, it's, it's a, he's a modern Scot who, instead of growing up as um, as my generation did, where the be-all and end-all was to insult the English, to beat the English and then to taunt the English, there was a wee Scotsman um, helping them do not too badly at set pieces. Yeah, good on them. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Um, we're moving on to the second question from Daryl Geraghty, he's one of our socios, Hola Graham, on the tournament as a whole, despite the fantastic drama, storylines, etc., I can't help but be left with the feeling that the quality wasn't as high as it could have been. Too many upsets, question mark, lopsided draw, question mark, he says, I can't quite put my finger on it. Well, it's interesting, I mean, I respect Daryl because, you know, if you watch his output um, on Twitter, then he's a guy who devours sport. So, you know, if that's the way you feel, I, I respect it. It's, I feel a little bit differently. I, I do think that, if not a dearth, there wasn't a superfluity of the technical players who control a game, whose passing range and whose passing regularity can give you the feeling that you're viewing, whether you're at the game 
uh, working, whether you're in the stands, whether you're watching on television. Sometimes we, we put our souls in the hands of these people, whether it would be, you know, Mesut also playing brilliantly. England chose not to take Wilshire. Understandably, Spain couldn't take Xavi and Iniesta was an evolved kind of Iniesta. You know, there wasn't a player for France, I would argue, that was similar to, say, Jorkiev or Platini in his time. And across the tournament, Daryl, one of the things where, if you know, I, I won't make my viewpoint, I won't, you know, force an answer to, to say I agree with you because I've taken a lot of satisfaction from this tournament. I've seen things that I enjoy. And my journalistic career has grown up for the last 17, 18 years, watching Barcelona in good and bad, most closely um, because I live in that city, because those players have been easier for me to access and meet and listen to and get to know. And, and, and therefore, you know, I would vouch all the time that for the brand of football that, that Xavi and Iniesta and Busquets want to play and want to see being played. But it can't be that way all the time because it takes specially trained footballers. It takes footballers with great technique, great vision and, and great nerve to produce that. I think it's a rarity when we get football like that. And, and also I grew up not watching football like that, watching great technically gifted, daring, brave, attacking, interesting, characterful footballers in Scotland when I was growing up. But, you know, I can appreciate and enjoy a really wide range of football. And, you know, I'm not saying that, for example, Chavi's in a in a high church where he doesn't appreciate other football. It's just that the football he wants to advocate and wants to see played at any, any club that he's associated with, it, it, then he's then he's a purist. So I'm not trying to say that, you know, I'm, I'm more broad church and, and the people I admire most, like Chavi or Iniesta, aren't. But I don't know where your lack of satisfaction or your that itch that you can't scratch comes from, Darrell. But I would say that I've seen individual excellence, player-wise. I've seen, you know, the emergence of a phenomenon. I've seen, even though Ronaldo and Messi go out early, each of them gave us traces of their genius, particularly in their goals. I've seen coaches unpick other teams' playing systems brilliantly and go for the juggler. You know, I've seen stadiums that have been full of noise and colour and, and happiness. And I've seen enough knockout goals and enough knockout drama, which, which we can often be deprived of, to understand that if this wasn't the single most technical World Cup ever, it certainly is up there in terms of its drama and, and how little you could absolutely rely on one result or another before the knockout games. And that, that across the board, happy people, the emergence of a phenomenon, clever coaches, players who showed bravery and character and produced more than we could have asked them to given their physical shape. And then a final with so many goals and so much drama. But overall, Mr G, I'll take that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if the next question is along similar themes. This is Adita Prabhakar, 
uh, and he says, Hey Graham, do you think a combination of long club seasons coupled with less prep time for coaches is shifting the way teams approach these tournaments? More pragmatic and less expansive attacking football? Question mark. Uh, it, it consistently amazes me what we ask of our elite footballers that, that we know that they can run about for 10, 11 months of the year but then we ask them to be ingenious, refreshed, sharp-edged, you know, creatively anarchic. We ask them to out-anticipate opponents who might have played 65% of the football they have. You know, above all, when we come to these post-mortems, we tend to be saying to them, entertain us. I think that, you know, while some of us want to go to a World Cup, and for some of us, it's you know there's a huge amount of national pride at stake. The single biggest thing that the the majority of people who watch a World Cup, because the majority of people who watch a World Cup don't have a, a dog in a fight, <laughs> because there's only 32 teams at the moment. It's entertainment, isn't it? If, if we're if we're being truthful, and to ask them to play, you know, constant tournament football in Spain, it's you know, two, two-legged two Copa del Rey ties until now, which has been nonsensical. Um, a League Cup in England. You look at um, even the healthy cultures like Germany, where there's a winter pause and fewer teams in the top league. It's still a money-making exercise when a gap comes and a friendly must be played. You saw just before the end of the season, Barcelona having to send a team down to South Africa to Soccer City, you know, in a midweek at a time when they'd been fighting for the, the treble. It, it, when it comes to a World Cup like this, I, I think that's a partial explanation for what we see. And as such, I go back to the previous answer, whereby I, I still think that we got a quality of football across that World Cup, which certainly our football authorities don't deserve because they they squeeze the life out of our footballers. They absolutely... And, and they, I go back to the fact that their bodies can continue to function, but if we want wit... If we want um, sparkle, you know, if we want fanfare and we want, you know, untrammeled brilliance, and then in my opinion, we certainly can't ask any more of our footballers during domestic seasons before a big tournament. But there's another thing. It's it's If you talk about pragmatism, you know, I'm not certain how pragmatic England were. I'm not certain how pragmatic Belgium were. I don't think Croatia were particularly pragmatic. Now, I'm honing in on the, the final four. France were. You know, France shut off a couple of results after that Argentina shock when they certainly could have gone to extra time. Um, I think Messi created a chance late on, didn't he? And had one himself just before that. So they, they, they took a shock and they did play relatively pragmatically after that point. However, what you get via the Champions League is an augmentation of applied you know, analysis, the statistics, the, the way in which teams become accustomed to each other, you know, when to pause a game, when to... If there's, if there's not one player dictating that, coaches and, and team units are now far more sophisticated about when to push the accelerator, when not to, and are more sophisticated about st- most players... And, and I said this before, a lot of the players who made the knockout stages and almost every player who made the last four, with the exception of England, who were 
you know, deficient in terms of players who'd reached the Champions League final, won the Champions League final, reached the Europa League final, won the Europa League final. There were far fewer of them in England's team than there were in the other three. And what you saw is that, like, for example, I mean, my stats are going to be close, if not right, on the bullseye. When Mexico uh, beat Germany and when Switzerland drew, drew with Brazil, those counted as shocks. But in each of the cases, the Switzerland coach and the Mexico coach were able to count on a group of players who either had 240 or 270 Champions League appearances between them. And that narrows the gap. That means, and, and one of the things that I hear time and time again of elite players and elite players who've won the World Cup and are looking back at today's football and say, you don't know how hard it is to win the World Cup. You don't know how hard it is to shake off the teams that the European aristocrats think are easy meat from Central America, from Asia, say from Africa, whatever it might be. There is a perception that these teams who aren't there regularly or, or who aren't um, tournament winners in the making are therefore easy to beat. And, and it's becoming absolutely apparent that they're not. I really hope you're enjoying these World Cup shows. We've got huge plans for next season, but we do need your help to make them happen. Go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter right now to become a socio, a member, to join us, to support us. You'll get an extra big interview every month, plus lots of other bonus content. Last season, our members got nine exclusive big interviews, including Rafa van der Vaart, Troy Deeney, and Roberto Di Matteo. So go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. Do it now, please. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.